pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A mom seemingly goes overboard on a pleasure cruise. What really happened? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our friends at WPTZ. Around 1130 Tuesday morning, May Nall was getting ready for work and her daughter Alyssa had stopped over for a visit. All of a sudden you heard people get out and they were shouting. That's when they saw multiple vehicles pull into this home on Fort Bridgman Road in Vernon. They snapped this photo. I saw a wrecker here, a, a ramp truck, and then there was a sheriff's car here and then there was someone in the boat. All the activity happening at the home of Nathan Carmen, who is usually quiet at this house. Very, very quiet neighborhood, beautiful homes. And uh, this family is essentially rolling in money. It's very rare. Have you ever noticed it? Robert Crispin, private investigator, uh, Crispin Special Investigations. Robert, have you noticed the more money in the neighborhood, the less you see the cop cars. Exactly, exactly. Now, now wait a minute. See, sure. you're the investigator, and I was expecting a little more from you than exactly. You're basically like what she just said. No, I think crime is just as ubiquitous in wealthy neighborhoods, but somehow they managed to keep it quiet. Exactly. You did it again, Crispin. <laughs> Why are you on the did panel? I- Tell me something. Tell me something. I don't know. I'll tell you what, Nancy, the reason you don't see a bunch of police activity in all these expensive neighborhoods is because these people take care of their own problems internally. They have their own, a lot of people have their own security, internal forces, their own protection, and they address all these internal family issues or any issues with anybody internally so it doesn't get out to the public. That's normally why you don't see a lot of this stuff. But when it goes down, it goes down big. Yeah, let me go to Andrew Norris, his specialty maritime law he knows his way around the courtroom. Andrew Norris joining me out of Rhode Island. Andrew, 
if you go to a regular criminal arraignment calendar, felony court, very rarely do you see a bunch of rich people in there with, let's just say, their teen boys. Because the rich people will send them off to some kind of a rehab school or a therapeutic school, and everybody else is left to go to GV jail. Have you ever noticed that? Nancy, uh, isn't, there's an expression, something to the effect of money is the root of all evil. And so... Uh, now, Andrew, you and I have had this conversation. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. Tis true. Uh, it's often at the heart of uh, spectacular cases. So what is happening in this wealthy neighborhood where the neighbors are all looking out their windows and, oh, dear Lord in heaven, they see a patrol car. Take a listen to our friends at Inside Edition. He says he survived seven days lost at sea after a tragic boating accident. And his first words on getting home about his mom, who is presumed drowned. And I just want to thank the public for their prayers and for their continuing prayers uh, for my mother. But now a twist. Nathan says he was fishing with his mother when their boats started taking on water. The boats dropped out from under my feet. Uh, when I saw the life raft, I did not see my mom. Uh, have you found her? Uh, no, we, uh, we haven't been able to find her yet. Coast Guard radio responding, no, we haven't been able to find her yet. Now, that is a crew that I really respect, the Coast Guard. You never hear about scandal or problems. They're out there doing their job every single day. And when they say they can't find her, I believe that they've really looked. Joining me in All-Star Panel to make sense of what we know right now, first of all, legal expert in maritime law, He's maritime attorney and consultant with Tradewind Maritime Services, Inc. in Old Mystic. You can find him at TradewindMaritimeServices.com. Andrew Norris joining us. He is a professor at the U.S. Naval War College as well. Dr. Kathleen Heidi, psychotherapist and distinguished university professor at University of South Florida, Department of Criminology and author. Robert Crispin joining us, private investigator. You can find him at crispininvestigations.com. Dr. Kendall Crowns with us, chief medical examiner, Tarrant County, that's Fort Worth, lecturer, University of Texas, Texas A&M, and faculty, University of Texas Medical Branch. You know how hard it is to get to be a medical examiner, much less the chief medical examiner? It's not easy. But first, I want to get a special guest joining us from the Brattleboro Reformer at Reformer.com, Bob Audette. What happened? I'm trying to get my, my mind around what happened. How, why was Linda Corman with her son out on, what kind of a, a, a vessel was it? was a fishing boat. Um, it was, you know, not a huge vessel, but it was adequate. Well, tell, first tell me about the vessel. What do we know about the boat? We know it was named the Chicken Pox. Okay, what? Why is it named the Chicken Pox? Why would you name your boat after an ailment? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know, but he has a new boat, and it's called Outfoxed. Um, but the, uh, you know, she'd been out, apparently she'd been out with him before on fishing trips. Not unusual. So it's not unusual the two of them go fishing. Now, um, this was September 17, and this happened near Martha's Vineyard, Rhode Island. How cold would it be out on the water on September 17 in Rhode Island? I would think it'd be rather cold, and I would think the water temperature, which never really warms up off in New England, was rather cold as well. Jackie, what was the temperature off Block Island? 49 is the high, Nancy. Okay, so let me go to Dr. Kendall Crowns joining us, Chief Medical Examiner, Fort Worth. Dr. Kendall Crowns, if the ambient air outside is 49, what would you expect the the temp of the water to be? Uh, usually when it's cold outside like that, the temperature of the water will also drop as well. So you'll see a fairly cold water matching the outdoor air temperature, if not even colder, especially if it's in a big open ocean area. So at least 49 degrees would be the answer, minus the speculation. And you're saying the water is would be typically colder than the air. Correct. Okay, so in the 40s, 
for a human to go into the water, Dr. Kendall Crowns, let's just go with 45 degrees. How long would it take for a human to get hypothermia? Uh, 45 degrees water, it would probably take several minutes, probably on the outside, 10, 15, maybe a half hour at most. But you're going to cool pretty rapidly. So I'm going to go with 15 to 30 minutes for hypothermia to set in. And what is hypothermia? Hypothermia is your, basically your body being shut down by cold, uh, the cold surroundings. It affects your heart rate. It starts slowing it down. And then that causes you to basically uh, become unconscious and then eventually die. So let me understand that the human body is usually at what, 98.6? Is that right? That's correct. And to get hypothermia, you have to be at what temp? For, to be officially hypothermic. When you start getting below the 90s, you know, you're starting to really get into that hypothermic range. Really, the body can't, uh, can't handle much variation in temperature either way. So once you start getting below 90, hypothermia begins to set in. And you're saying within 30 minutes you would succumb? Yeah, 15, 30 minutes, even maybe 10. It just depends. Now, is that to get hypo... To, to be hypothermic or to die? I would say to die. You'd probably start really? being hypothermic within about five, ten minutes. So in 30 minutes in 40-degree water, you're dead? More than likely, yeah. Have you ever handled an autopsy where someone died of hypothermia? Yes. Were they in the water or in the air? Both. I knew you were going to say both. I knew that. How many autopsies have you done? Just... Toss me a number. Uh, over 8,000 probably. I'm going to quit bragging about my number of jury trials. Okay, that, that ends today, right now. Never again. I can't compare to his 8,000 autopsies. So, Dr. Kendall Crowns, tell me what happens to the body. I mean, how can you look at a body and know the person died of hypothermia? Well, there's a couple things you can see. Uh, you can see these these little dots in the stomach lining. They're called Wisniewski's ulcers, but they look like little pinpoints. Okay, I need to write that down. Andrew Norris, you probably already know this since your specialty is maritime law, but this is all new to me. What did you just say, Dr. Crowns? So you have these little dots in the stomach. They're called Wisniewski's ulcers. Wisniewski ulcers, okay. Correct. Why do you get ulcers? It's well, they're, they're called Wisniewski's ulcers, but they're kind of like uh, little pinpoint hemorrhages throughout the lining. It's just something that they've seen with uh, hypothermia cases. That and uh, hemorrhage in the pancreas is the other kind of soft findings you can see with hypothermia. But the problem is, is both those findings can be found in other things. Such as? Uh, diabetes is the main one. And so uh, what what it is, is you kind of use circumstances and then those findings, those findings with circumstances equals hypothermia. If you don't have those findings and the person's found in a cold environment, uh, again, you can go hypothermia if they have no other cause of death. I don't like that, doctor. I don't like what you just said because you're making it sound like it's kind of a process of elimination. Well, it kind of is. As to the COD cause of death. I wish I hadn't heard that, but I've heard it. But Dr. Kendall Crowns, say you're diabetic. Would you have the Wisniewski ulcers in both the pancreas and the stomach or just the pancreas with diabetes? The ulcers are only in the stomach and uh, in both hypothermia and diabetes. But uh, it's very uncommon with diabetes, but it has been found with it. Uh, I also believe uh, uh, chronic alcoholism is another one, but it's only in the stomach. So with diabetes, what you're going to look for is also, you can look at the electrolyte or the glucose level that you get from the vitreous taken from the eyeball. Let me refine my question. Say you find a body, a body washes up to shore two weeks later. How could you tell if the person died of hypothermia or they drowned? Uh, well, again, you'd look for those, those findings that we talked about. But the main thing is, is you would still, there'd be no way of saying, well, they got hypothermic and then drowned or they drowned uh, without hypothermia. Mm -hmm. If you find those findings, you know, you'll be like, okay, they were probably hypothermic before they drowned. But anybody that lands in water, you got to consider drowning right away. Listen, this is the kind of discussion that happens in every good 
trial preparation. You've got to be prepared. For instance, if I had Dr. Kendall Crowns on the stand on direct exam, I would have to know the answer to all of these detailed questions because if I don't know it, I guarantee you, they're going to bring it up on cross-exam and they're going to ambush me because I won't know what's true or not true. And evidence can be twisted to make it appear to be something very different than what it really is. So minutia, the details of what we've just heard, which newski ulcers that appear in the stomach uh, when someone has hypothermia, that a, a trial could actually turn on a minute fact like that. A lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, thought it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience, which means Zen pairs well with you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Don't let a bad mattress stand between you and a good night's sleep. Lisa Mattress can help. From memory foam mattresses that hug in all the right places to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer incredible comfort and support at every price point. Collectively, their mattresses have over 20,000 five-star reviews. Delivery is free, returns are easy, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your own home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. In this case, we have just heard the son say, 
I did not see my mom Evie founder and Coast Guard stating we haven't been able to find her yet. So Bob Audette, they go out quite a bit fishing alone together. But what about in these cold temperatures? I, I don't know for sure, but, you know, the water temperature never really changes, to be honest. So then probably, yes. Guys, we are talking about a mom, Linda Carmen, that goes overboard on a fishing trip. And to my understanding, her body has never been found. Is that right, Bob? Her body and the boat, neither have been found. <sighs> okay, guys, take a listen to this. Carmen was on a fishing trip with his mother, Linda Carmen. The boat allegedly started taking on water and sank. Linda Carmen's body was never found, but her son Nathan was rescued from a life raft by a passing ship. The Coast Guard then brought him back to shore. The boat was never seaworthy, putting the blame on the former owner. Quote, Mr. Carmen was a young 22-year-old kid with more money than experience. He, the former owner of the boat, took advantage of him and sold him the boat. Back to you, Bob Audette. Um, there are claims that the boat was the problem, that the boat began taking on water. I don't understand how the boat can go down and the boat's never found. Well, there's some discrepancy about where, the, where it actually happened. He told folks it happened off of Block Island, but an expert at Woods Hole said that it could have never happened there. And he could have sunk that in two-mile deep water somewhere. So why did the experts say this could never have happened off Block Island? So he filed for an insurance claim, and it, it eventually got denied in, in court. But uh, another maritime lawyer said that he spoke with folks at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, which said that if, he, if his life raft had deployed at Block Canyon, the life raft would not have drifted for 40 miles southeast but rather would have drifted in the opposite direction, about 40 miles northwest, where Coast Guard would have found him on September 19th, because that's where they were looking for him. Oh, I get it. To Andrew Norris joining me, maritime expert, lawyer and consultant, actually professor at U.S. Naval War College. Andrew Norris, now I get it why one expert said it couldn't happen off Block Island because of the current, the tide would have taken the boat in a different direction, the, the raft, the rubber raft. Does that make sense to you, Andrew? It certainly does. So uh, the the story would be that the boat sank. He uh, somehow got on the life raft, was adrift for a number of days, and then was recovered. So when the Coast Guard uh, gets a distress call like this or, or discovers uh, somebody in the water and, and does a search, one of the key things that the Coast Guard does is look for uh, the prevailing currents, the drift patterns, and uh, they they actually form a uh, search grid based upon uh, factors like that. So very much uh, the, the the drift, what the water does in the area would, would be a central uh, component of the Coast Guard search. So let me understand um, with me expert lawyer, Andrew Norris. Andrew, you are so familiar. You know these waters and this type of investigation, like the back of your hand. Is what Nathan Carmen saying happened possible? And I'm including the fact that the boat, the chicken pox, was never found. Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. Boats sink, uh, and people uh, sometimes uh, are never found, or they're found uh, some days later. So is it possible? Yes. There are some uh, issues with this. It got underway at 11.13 p.m., as in almost midnight. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Bob Audet, they went out fishing at midnight? And the boat was not seaworthy, according to testimony that was presented as an as insurance trial. Wait, did they go out fishing at midnight? They did. Okay, Andrew Norris, what else have you learned? Um, and everybody jump in because that's very significant to me. Hold on. Andrew Norris, I've got to, I've got to speak to a shrink. Dr. Kathleen M. Heidi is with me, renowned psychotherapist joining us, distinguished university professor, University of South Florida. Dr. Heidi, I'm an outdoors person. We love to camp. We love to sleep under the stars. We love to RV. We love to hike. The whole shebang. But I do not want to go out on dive, night dived 
once. Enough to know I did not want to do it again. It takes a unique outdoors person to go out at midnight in 49 degree temp. And hey, Jack, we need to look at that temp again. I bet it dropped by midnight that night, 1 a.m. Uh-uh. Dr. Kathleen Heidi, I, I'm having a hard time believing this. Well, people do go out at night. In fact, I, I um, boat myself at night and I've worked for many years with the Coast Guard. Um, so some people go out seriously in terms of, you know, fishing and night expeditions. So it is unusual, particularly in that climate. Um, and I would absolutely agree that it's going to be cold and the water is going to even make it more cold. Now, my understanding is that this is a way that the mother uh, tried to spend time with her son it may strike some of us as unusual, but that is apparently on the record as something the two of them did. You know, Dr. Heidi, you just answered all my questions because when my son was a little boy, I would take him. He loved arcades, you know, the video games, all that. Mm -hmm. The ones where you dance on them and where you swing baseballs and just we would go for hours. The last thing I want to do, well, nearly the last, is play video games. But I would do that with him. I've played Mortal Kombat. I've played uh, to where you dig tunnels, well, uh, Minecraft, everything, all sorts of board games, just you name it. And same thing with my daughter. I, now you spoke to my heart just then, Dr. Heidi. I get it. Why mama go out at night? Okay, enough said. Andrew Norris, what else can you tell me? So the mother had apparently filed a uh, float plan, which is uh, mm -hmm. shows that uh, it's very responsible uh, boating uh, type activity. So, and that float plan indicated that they would return by about noon the other day. So it was intended as about a 12-hour uh, trip, mostly at night, uh, into the morning and then returning by noon the next day. Of course, the boat never came back. And uh, further, what the federal prosecutors believe is that uh, Nathan murdered his mother, then at some later point sank or otherwise disposed of the boat and, and then was uh, gotten in the life raft himself and was found and rescued. So the theory, at least, that he he murdered his mother uh, intentionally and uh, by gunshot or however, and then uh, disposed of the boat and was later rescued. So that is a suspicion, something that Bob Audette said earlier regarding the insurance company. It's absolutely correct. Take a listen to our friend Jennifer Egan. She's at WCVB. The insurance company's attorney asked Carmen about his mother, quote, she didn't scream when the boat fell out from underneath her, to which Carmen replied, I did not hear a scream. Carmen mentioned his mother in his email to the insurance company, writing, quote, I did not see my mom after the boat sank, though I looked around and called out for her while I was in the water and after getting on board the life raft. Carmen was rescued by a passing cargo ship and brought to shore by the Coast Guard. The insurance company hasn't paid Carmen's claim on the chicken pox, saying alterations he made to the boat before the fishing trip voided the policy. Wow, so many questions now. To Bob Audette, what alterations did the son make to the boat? He removed some sort of plug, four plugs actually, and actually made the holes bigger. And then when he repaired them, he didn't do it up to specs that would ensure that the boat wouldn't take on water. So wait a minute. He altered the holes in the bottom of the boat which would have allowed water to come up into the boat, the boat to take on water, unless the plugs worked accurately. Is that right? And there's really no understanding why he would even make that sort of alteration to what was before the alteration, the seaworthy boat. How many days had the sun been floating in the water? Nathan Carmen, how many days had he been floating in the life raft? Nathan had been in the life raft for about a week. And when they rescued him, he definitely looks like he'd been in a life raft for a week. Did he have any provisions on the life raft, food or water? Apparently he had 30 days worth of food and water on the life raft. 
Okay, let me go to our lawyer, Andrew Norris, maritime expert. He had 30 days of food and water supplies on the life raft. Is that normal? Uh, yeah, and uh, so that's, again, a sign of uh, that. that's a, a well-planned and uh, uh, in terms of uh, having that, a life raft of that capability aboard and that amount of of provisions, uh, that's a sign of responsible boating. What really strikes me as odd about all of this, though, is the fact that uh, it that he was supposedly adrift for six days. He was ultimately recovered on September the 25th. It looks like the Coast Guard even suspended its search for him and for his mother and for the vessel the day before they were rescued. So six days of Coast Guard searching couldn't find him. They're not that far offshore. Uh, so it's uh, it's interesting to me, and and really struck me as unusual that uh, that it took so long for him to be recovered. Makes you wonder exactly where the boat was. That's another curious aspect of the case to me. You know, Nancy, if I can jump in a little bit about this whole boat situation. Is this you, Crispin? It's Crispin. Go ahead. So so much of this boat is so important for the modifications that happened to the boat and why this boat went down. And to understand how a boat actually operates, other than just floating on the water and understanding when people are starting to do modifications, there's intentional things that you do are going to sink your boat. The, the trim tabs were taken off. What are trim tabs? Well, trim tabs are the things that are in the back of the boat, and you can adjust them by a switch when you're driving as the captain to bring the bow up and down. Those trim tabs are held on by screws. If those screws or one or two of those screws come out, you're going to start to get a leak into your bilge. That's the back of the boat. The second thing is he also took out the, he took out the, uh, the bulkhead. What's a bulkhead? A bulkhead is, goes from starboard to port or left to right. And it's a support beam for that boat. If that is not there, then that boat, when it's underway, is going to start to flex and it's going to start to let that boat crack. Also, according to the indictment, it talks about he replaced that bilge pump. A bilge pump is a pump that automatically kicks on. It's hot wired, whether your boat, where your boat is on or off, and it kicks in and it kicks the water out of the bilge so your motor can keep going. One of his statements are he looked in there and it was filling with water. So understanding when a boat goes down, they do go down quick. I have seen it. I've investigated them, and I, these boats do go down quick. But if you're underway or you're fishing, you're starting to notice a change in the boat. And you're going to start to see things are wrong, and then you're going to start to take evasive action for that. He admits that he never checked to see if that bilge pump worked or not. His own statement is pointing to this is an intentional act. I don't know why you would remove the bilge pump ever. I'm not a great boater, but I know that much. And let me remind everybody about a previous case we covered of Angelica Griswold, who sent her fiancé out on the water uh, in the Hudson River, and then it was later learned that she pulled the plug. That phraseology, that adage, is real. You pull the plug on something, it's like pulling the plug out of the bottom of the boat and it fills up with water and you all go down. Now take a listen to our friends at Inside Edition. The Coast Guard had questions. Look how remarkably fit he appeared after seven days lost at sea. And there's this witness who says Nathan and his mom were not prepared for a fishing trip. I didn't see any fishing poles. I didn't even see him with food. Why would you go on a fishing trip without poles? It's starting to look worse and worse for him. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. 
Maybe you've tried vaping, thought it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience, which means Zen pairs well with you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design icon West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of the two companies' shared values of premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. I want to do that. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash Nancy. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, for those of you just joining us, a young man and his mom go out on a nighttime cruise, which ends in disaster. Neither the mother nor the ship have ever been found. Listen to this. The case has generated wide interest. Carmen's aunts have accused him of murdering his grandfather in 2013 and then killing his mother in an attempt to collect a $7 million inheritance. And the attorney also asked Carmen why he didn't radio for help when he noticed that the boat was taking on quite a bit of water. Carmen said that he had an aversion to doing so unless he felt he was in real danger. That attorney, though, pointed out that he had called for help one time before. Okay. How does the grandfather fit into this? What happened to the grandfather, Bob Audette? And I'm talking about John Chicago. Is it Chocolos or Chocolos? Chocolos. What happened to him? Well, three years ago, um, he was murdered in his bed while he was sleeping, shot apparently with a six-hour rifle in Windsor, Connecticut. How many times was he shot? At least twice is my understanding. Now, you were just hearing our friends at WCVB. Now take a listen to our friends at Inside Edition. Speaking of the grandfather. Nathan is now facing a firestorm of questions with the revelation that he was a suspect in the shooting death of his 87-year-old grandfather, John Chakalos. Chakalos was well-known locally for the elaborate Christmas decorations at his palatial estate in New Hampshire. The last person to see him alive, Nathan Carmen. His missing mom, 54-year-old Linda Carmen, inherited his $40 million estate with her siblings. Here's Stephen Fabian. Police here in Connecticut, where the grandfather was slain, actually drew up an arrest warrant for Nathan almost three years ago. But the young man was never arrested or charged. This person killed at least once that we know of. This person's gotten away with murder. And chances are it will happen again. Okay, Andrew Norris, that breaks my heart. I remember, here's just one example, when Jorn Vandersloot got away with murdering Natalie Holloway. At that time, 
predicting mm -hmm. that he would kill again five years to the day he killed Stephanie Tassiana Flores. Here you have Andrew Norris. Uh, Andrew Norris, high-profile lawyer, joining me out of Rhode Island. He's professor at U.S. Naval War College. You have the family saying, whoever killed our grandfather is going to kill again. Now you've got the mother dead. Why wasn't he arrested then? An indictment had been drawn up. What went wrong? Uh, you know, the DA hasn't really spoken about it much, but I would think that, it, you know, there was no murder weapon found. And I think that probably they were worried if they took it to trial, that piece of evidence being missing would derail the whole thing. Well, you know, many cases have been tried without the murder weapon, Robert Crispin. Why would they not go forward with what they had? Because I think it goes even further when they did the search warrant at his house and they found out that he took the GPS out of his truck and he also took the hard drive out of his computer. So we're not going to find any more physical or any more electronic evidence that would have helped well, us. Well, to me, that's evidence right there. Why would you take, if somebody told me to go take the GPS out of my minivan, I would have to go look it up on Google to figure out how to do it. What person takes the, removes the GPS from their vehicle at the time their grandfather is murdered? He's an heir to multi-millions of dollars. I mean, Bob Audette, the home where the grandfather lives looks like a government building. It's huge. And tell me about that gigantic Christmas light display they put on every year. So this was his second home, actually. And it was on Spofford Lake, which is a pretty ritzy place in New Hampshire. And uh, it recently sold for $3.7 million. It's been on the market since John's death. Um, yeah, he would deck that thing out with tens of thousands of dollars of Christmas lights every year. And he would encourage people to come by and look and donate bags of food to the local food shelter. And that's the grandfather that was murdered in his sleep? Yes. And then the prosecutor chose not to do anything, to just sit back on his thumb, do nothing. And now the mother, the grandfather's daughter. Okay, guys, um, we're trying to figure out what happened but i want to go to dr kathleen m heidi joining us renowned psychotherapist dr heidi you actually wrote a book called understanding parasite when sons and daughters kill parents and why kids kill parents why do they well there, from my research in clinical practice there really are four ways and, and i'll spell them out quickly you know, some kids kill their parents because of longstanding abuse and they're basically desperate or they're in fear of their lives and they want to end the abuse. So that's the severely abused. The second I refer to as the severely mentally ill child or parasite offender. They're individuals who kill because of severe mental illness, usually longstanding and documented. And so that would be something like uh, psychosis typically. A uh, third type are the dangerously antisocial, and these are individuals who kill because of um, a uh, very selfish reason, such as um, getting money, getting freedom, um, something of that nature. And the fourth type are those who kill because they're enraged, oftentimes with their parents that may be longstanding and something sets it off, often fueled uh, by alcohol or drugs. So those are four primary uh, pathways or motivations why individuals, both juveniles or children, adolescents and adults kill parents. So it's been narrowed down to those four general reasons. But to murder, unless it's in self-defense or unless you've been a long-time abuse victim, which is, in my mind, much the same, why is the alternative murder? I mean, this guy right here, Nathan Carmen, who declares he's innocent, he's a grown man. He's almost 30 years old. Why not just go out and make a living? I mean, take a listen to Grace Feinerman, our cut to WMUR. Listen to this. According to the indictment, Carmen got around $550,000 from accounts set up by his grandfather as a result of the murder. Three years later, Carmen's accused of planning a fishing trip with his mother, Linda Carmen, only to kill her after leaving the marina. 
The indictment says Carmen reported the boat sank and his mother disappeared at sea. He was rescued off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. In July of 2017, the executor of Carmen's grandfather's estate filed an action in New Hampshire probate court claiming he killed John and Linda. This, trying to prevent Carmen from benefiting from their deaths. Throughout this process, the indictment says he provided false information to law enforcement. False information to law enforcement. What would that be, Bob Audet? Basically lying about everything, about the circumstances behind his grandfather's death, death, about the boat, about the sinking, about what happened to his mother. He lied about it all, according to the indictment. I'm wondering, Andrew Norris, whether the circumstances surrounding the grandfather's death will come in in the trial regarding his mother's death. What do you think? Well, it certainly would. And the interesting thing is, uh, so he's charged with uh, eight counts. Seven of them are fraud related. One is the the account for murder. And it should be uh, pointed out that uh, if convicted of murder in the first degree, the punishment is uh, life in prison or death. So first degree murder is capital offense. Second degree murder is punishable up to life in prison. What makes something first degree murder versus second? Well, principally that it's uh, malice aforethought, that it was planned. And so uh, the evidence of the planning for the killing of his mother is what he's is what will be relevant in his trial. But I would think that uh, in in uh, proving that he the the planning element that of his mom that this wasn't just an accident, the prosecutors would also be attempting to bring in uh, evidence showing this sort of continued plan. Uh, by him uh, to to further the case that uh, he committed first-degree murder in this particular case. I mean, the guy just got almost a million dollars, nearly $600,000 already. What? He can't be happy with that? Did he have to kill his mother to get all of her millions? Take a listen to our Cut 6 WCVB. Nathan Carmen and his attorney are seen here, arriving this morning at federal court in Providence, shortly before opening statements began in the civil case brought against Carmen by the insurance company for his sunken boat, Chickenpox. Carmen filed an $85,000 claim for the loss of the boat. The insurance company has rejected that claim. During opening statements this morning, the attorney for the insurance company told the judge hearing the bench trial, quote, this is a case about a boat that left Point Judith with holes in it and sank 12 hours later. The plaintiffs claim that Carmen made modifications to the 31-foot vessel that voided the insurance policy, saying, quote, he made it unseaworthy. Listen, that, that boat went down so fast. I, I suspect that that boat probably went down within the first 10 or 15 minutes out that inlet. That, that's a fast sinking problem right there. We also should point out that half a million dollars was pretty much gone by the time he pushed right. off from tour. What happened to all that money? Just <laughs> it away somehow. I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, isn't he living at home with mommy? My understanding was no. He has a house in Vernon. It's his own house. Nathan owned that house, according to tax tax records. That house belonged to Nathan in Vernon. Bob Audette, what house belonged to him? The house in Vernon where he was arrested. And was that once part of his grandfather's estate? Um, As far as I'm seeing on tax records online, he held the deed. Nathan held the deed. Right. Was it bequeathed to him? Did it, was it once part of the grandfather's estate? I, um, no. I believe he Nathan bought that. At, so it says that he bought it in October 2014. would be a little less than a year after his grandfather was murdered. Mm-hmm. What were you saying, Dr. Heidi? I wanted to just point out, Nancy, so you, you're aware of it. Um, you mentioned he was 28 years old. He is now, when he killed the grandfather... He would have been about, I think, 19 or 20, and the mother about 22. So he was younger, not to say that that exonerates him. It clearly doesn't, but it'll bring in issues of brain development and in terms of his awareness of, um, you know, the consequences. So let me understand something, Dr. Heidi. This is a guy who just got nearly $600,000, and he still wants more money? That's what it appears to be, Um I mean, it, let, let's put it this way. If he isn't involved in orchestrating the deaths of his grandfather and father, it, it's quite possible that it was done for a financial motive and greed. And I've had cases where um, offspring have killed parents to basically hasten their inheritance. 
I mean, that reminds me of the Menendez brothers. I was just going to say the Menendez brothers. Yeah, perfect (laughs) example, although they claimed they were molested by the father. Why shoot the mother, too? She was crawling down the hall trying to get away. To Bob Audette, where does the trial stand, the criminal trial stand right now? Uh, The judge detained him until a detention hearing on May 16th, and prosecution urged the judge to have a mental health evaluation between now and then. We wait as justice unfolds. Can this murder case be proven, not only without a boat, but without the mother's body? Why would an adult son murder his own mother and his grandfather? We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Gray's Crime Story signing off. Goodbye. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.